My kids love their snacks just like everyone else, but I'm really picky about what they eat. And if it's going to be something in a package, I want it to be healthy, high quality, and something that's not going to break the bank. I recently discovered Thrive Market and they check all the boxes. My kids are loving the seaweed snacks, cinnamon applesauce, and the skinny dip dark chocolate almonds. What I love most about Thrive Market is that everything is organic and non-GMO, and it's more affordable than what you'll find in the stores. If you join today, you can get 25% off your first order and a free gift. All you have to do is go to thrivemarket.com slash food issues. And for every paid membership, they give a free membership to a low-income family. So sign up today at thrivemarket.com slash food issues. This is Food Issues. In every episode, we bring you experts to tackle the real challenges around feeding kids and offer practical insight to help organizations, communities, and parents create change. I'm your host, Julie Revelon. This week, we're talking about Americans' obsession with snacks, and now that we're working and learning from home, have less structure to our days, and have more stress, we're snacking more than ever. And what we're snacking on has probably changed too because there's been a ton of so-called healthy snacks hitting store shelves. Things like puff snacks made with chickpeas and granola bars made with vegetable extracts, nuts and seeds, and other superfoods. The money is driving this increase in snacks, but also desire. You know, people want more snacks. They want better snacks. They want tastier snacks. They really want it all. And so you're seeing more and more products uh, being introduced to the market. That's Francis Largeman Roth, a registered dietitian nutritionist, a New York Times bestselling author, and a nationally recognized nutrition and wellness expert. We'll talk about whether these new snacks are healthy or simply health washing, plus how to read labels and serve them to your kids. Well, Francis, it's so good to welcome you to the Food Issues Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Great. Well, so let's dive right in. So in recent years, there's been an influx of so-called, quote, healthy junk foods filling up store shelves. And so these include a bunch of different uh, features, if you will, and these are some that I pulled together. So plant-based, vegan, low-sugar, sugar-free, paleo, gluten-free, organic made with veggies like cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cassava root, dry fruit and avocado, ancient greens, nuts and seeds, cinnamon, turmeric, other superfoods, as well as upgraded sweeteners like dates and coconut sugar. And so many of these brands are making these so-called healthy counterparts of our favorite snack foods, and it's really big business in the U.S., There was a report done in 2019 by Grandview Research, and it found that the healthy snacks category is expected to reach $32.88 billion by 2025. So what would you say is driving this trend? $32.88 billion. Wow. Um, (laughs) Well, first of all, we, you know, even pre-pandemic, we have become a nation of snackers. We snack at our desk, in the car at the gym, on the go, Uh, not just adults, but also kids are snacking a lot more than ever before. And I believe that snacks are making up at least a third of our calorie intake these days. 
So the money is driving this increase in snacks, but also desire. You know, people want more snacks, they want better snacks, they want tastier snacks, they really want it all. And so you're seeing more and more products uh, being introduced to the market. And of course, as you mentioned, there are special diets at play here as well. Uh, Nut-free, dairy-free, gluten-free, paleo, grain-free. So, you know, if you want to make snacks these days, you can find an audience to cater to. So I think that, you know, that, that Americans want the snacks, but also the companies are out there trying to make a buck as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so for those snacks that are made with fruits and vegetables, I think one of the biggest questions for parents in particular is, does that count as a fruit and vegetable serving for their kids? Well, it depends on how much of the puree or the powder, the veggie veggie or fruit powder is actually in the product. Um, And so for a powder, you know, you're not going to get all of the fiber that was originally in the fruit or the vegetable. For the puree, it might be similar. And there are some products out there that do actually contribute a whole serving, um, whether it's via sweet potatoes or whether it's through cauliflower. And I think that that's all good. You know, we're not getting enough. Um, one in One in 10 Americans gets enough fruits and vegetables. And um, that's really sad. You know, we've been giving the fruit and vegetable message forever. And it's just, um, I think for many people, there's a convenience factor. You know, the fruits and the vegetables just aren't easy enough for them to incorporate into their diet. There's also the taste factor, which is why we're now seeing fruits and vegetables being incorporated into so many different things pasta, snack bars, uh, you name it. So, um, you know, I, I'm always talking about how I don't like to sneak things in. I don't want to be the mom who's sneaking veggies into their kids' food because I want to educate my kids and, you know, and, and consumers about where vegetables and fruits come from, how to prepare them, why you should love them, maybe a little history about the, that type of produce. So I'm not big on hiding it. And um, I, I always like to mention that because sometimes these companies are using these, you know, powders and purees in, a, in an attempt to hide the fruit or the vegetables. So to me, it's fine. You know, it, it's a, maybe a, a good way to incorporate more servings into your day, but not, um, not because it's hidden. You know, that's not really the goal at the end of the day. Absolutely. I am in agreement with that. I I cringe when I see recipes and moms posting about how they were so sneaky and they were able to get vegetables and meals and their kids ate it Um, because, yeah, we can't we can't raise a generation of kids who don't know what real fruits and vegetables taste like, look like, smell like all the textures. Right. Um, So I agree with you. I think that it's important. You can certainly puree vegetables into a stew, for example, and that's giving an extra dose. But we also want our kids to to see and, and to taste and to appreciate vegetables and fruits and vegetables. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So it's <laughs> I have a, a muffin recipe called emerald muffins because they're green, because they're made with three cups of spinach. And 
you know, I'm not trying to hide the fact that there are veggies in there, but they are boosted. It is a way to get a little bit, you know, some extra veggies in there because I have three kids. Um, they don't all, they don't all love their veggies. My son thankfully does, but my youngest who's six, mm, she really doesn't, you know, corn in the summertime she enjoys. But other than that, she's really not a big veggie eater. So if I can get her to eat those emerald muffins, that's a win for me, but not because I've hidden it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So with these healthy junk foods, would you say that part of it is marketing or health washing more than anything? Well, you know, there is, there is health washing. There are health halos around certain products. I think that, um, again, they are, they're trying to bring us products that they think we want, right? So if people are, are saying, I want easier ways or tastier ways to eat more fruits and vegetables, then that's a reason for them to develop a bar or a cereal or whatever the case may be with that in there. Um, so, you know, there's always, always there's marketing, right? I mean, we've been, you know, food marketing has been going on, uh, for as long as there were packaged products. So I think you just always have to be a very savvy consumer. And I say this in almost every story that I'm interviewed for, look at the nutrition facts panel, but also look at the ingredient list because they're both part of the story. You know, it's not just how many calories and how many grams of sugar, what is actually in the product that you are about to put into your shopping basket or these days, you know, put into the the online shopping cart. Right. And so what should people look for when they're reading labels? Well, you do want to look for let's let's first talk about the um the ingredient list. So if sugar is the number one ingredient and uh and you're not buying a candy, then <laughs> you probably want to look for a different product. You don't want to pick up a, a box of cereal for yourself or for your kids and have sugar or another form of sugar like brown rice syrup be at the top of the ingredient list because they are those ingredients are listed in terms of weight and so it it tells you how much you know relatively how much um is in the product if you were buying uh if you were looking for a whole grain bread again the number one ingredient shouldn't be something like sugar or water it should be whole grain flour or whole you know whole grain oats or whole grain should be the number one ingredient and then when you do look at the nutrition facts panel you know they they do offer more information these days than i think ever before in terms of total sugars right and then it's broken down by added sugars so then you can tell, for example, on a yogurt, yogurt used to be much more confusing because milk contributes milk sugars. So, you know, we would look at a cup of, uh, you know, a five ounce or six ounce cup of yogurt and be shocked because it might have 20 some grams of sugar in it. Well, much of that was from the lactose. And now you can tell, oh, okay, well, there is still six grams of added sugar. That's probably from the strawberry puree that's that's swirled in and it's not 20 grams of added sugar. So again, this all takes time. So I can see why consumers often skip that part. 
Um, you know, fiber is another thing to look for, especially, I mean, it's, it's important for everyone, but it's also especially important for kids. Kids are not getting enough fiber in their diet either. So that's something that I always tell people to look for. If you're buying some kind of grain product, a cereal, a bread, look for three grams of fiber per serving. That's a good thing to shoot for. Okay. Yeah. And what about artificial ingredients and preservatives? Should, um, what should, what, what should people look for when they're reading labels? Well, I mean, here is an example there. Somebody just sent me a very delicious product. I took a spoonful of it this morning, but it was a, it was, um, sugar-free, right? The, the product was supposed to be sugar-free. So I was actually expecting it to not be sweet at all. And I took the spoonful and, um, it was you know, sweet and delicious. And I thought, well, where is this sweetness coming from? Well, you know, I turned over to the ingredient list and maltitol, which is a sugar alcohol was the number one ingredient. And the product also had stevia in it. So that's something that for me, as somebody with IBS, I cannot eat a lot of that. And I don't want to eat a lot of that because I will have digestive issues later on. There are Lots of ingredients these days, like sugar alcohols that are being used in products to lower the amount of added sugar or, or, you know, completely eliminate added sugar, but they don't tell you upfront that that's what's in the product. So once again, if you are someone who, um, wants to avoid, um, non-nutritive sweeteners or has, uh, has digestive issues when they eat something like erythritol or maltitol, you need to look at those ingredients. So there are tons of things in our food these days that you might not, you might think, oh, great, sugar-free. My doctor told me I need to eat less sugar. This is probably a good product for me. But if you don't understand what a sugar alcohol is or what it might do to your system, then you know you might be in for a surprise later on. Absolutely, that's a great point. So a lot of the traditional snack foods that we think of for kids do have a ton of added sugars in them. And I think parents may not realize that they do like chips, you know, or or any a granola bar could have a ton of added sugar in it. And so there's been a lot of attention, especially this year in regards to limiting the amount of added sugars in our kids' diets. Um, would you say that these new healthy junk foods can be good options for kids and families who are looking to reduce those added sugars in their diets? Well, certainly some of them can. And I think that there are, in fact, I was looking at a bunch of granola bars yesterday online, and there are better products out there these days, but there are still the junky ones. And you can still find granola bars with 22 grams of sugar in them. And, uh, you know, it all just really comes back to being an educated consumer, also understanding that it's not like we have to eliminate added sugars. We're just trying to minimize added sugars. And part of this, uh, I think part of educating around sweetness and sugars and added versus natural sugars is really making sure that we are getting those natural sources of sugar in our diet. Because if you forget what an apple tastes like, um, if you never eat an orange or a grapefruit and you only have packaged snacks, then you expect 
everything to have this heightened sweetness to it. Um, beverages as well. We've gotten used to very, very sweet beverages. So that's why I think you have to educate your palate um, and, and understand, you know, my six-year-old had uh, grapefruit juice for the first time this morning. And of course, it tasted very tart and a little bitter to her. But, you know, over time, as she has it more and more, it may start to taste better to her. Um, also, the, back, back to kids specifically, it really does take a long time for them to appreciate bitter flavors, which is why it can be a huge challenge to get them to eat things like Brussels sprouts um, or cabbage or, you know, kale, things like that. Think about when you were growing up, Julie, um, you know, you may not have enjoyed bitter tastes until you were in your 20s. I know that that's true for me. You know, um, coffee, I was not, you know, co- the taste of coffee was a real turnoff for me. But now I love coffee and I love IPA beer and I love my Brussels sprouts. And But that bitter flavor, really, it, that's not something that we innately appreciate um, as children. Right, right. So bottom line here, Francis, would you say that these healthy snacks are, are junk food at the end of the day, or are they something that parents can feel good about feeding their kids? Bottom line, we need snacks. We do. Um, and children need about two to three snacks a day. Now, for me as a busy parent, um, and things have somehow gotten even busier during the pandemic, I need to have these packaged snacks on hand. Um, and I try to find the best ones out there that I approve of and that my kids like too. So, um, you know, they may be healthier junk, but um, I, I do think that they have a place at the table. Okay, great. But we can't forget also that, the, that these are, at the end of the day, processed foods. So do you think that serving these snacks to kids models that an unhealthy eating habit, that snacks are only those that we get from a bag or a box or a package? I think that that's a great point. And <laughs> when I come back from, uh, from a Costco run, I, I start to wonder, hmm, you know, do, do we just have too many of these packaged things around? Which is why you have to keep the real, the real snack foods, Mother Nature's snack foods front and center as well. And so I'm a big believer in always having a big bowl of fruit um, where people can see it, where the family can grab an apple or an orange or a banana or whatever the seasonal fruit may be, um, because, you know, so many have so many studies have shown us that if you keep the healthy stuff where people can see it, we're much more likely to eat it. So you can't necessarily keep your veggies on uh, on the table like you would with fruit, but you can do a similar thing where you um, you know do a little bit of food prep whenever you have time. Cutting up, I like to have baby cucumbers on hand just because my my kids like them more, but. Cut, cutting them into sticks or cutting them into slices, washing the uh, cherry tomatoes, um, keeping the baby carrots where everybody can see them. Again, keeping them front and center in the refrigerator where it's easy for your kid to grab a small container of it to have, you know, while they're doing their online learning. I think that that goes a long way um, to 
to educating them around, you know, a snack isn't just a bag of chips. Right. And would you say also that these healthy junk foods, even if they are upgraded and they have all these good for you ingredients in them, they, they are easy to overeat, especially if they're in a big uh, bag or a box and you're not portioning them out for your kids? Right. I always tell people to never to eat from the bag. You know, it's just, um, it's not a smart thing to do, especially if you're very hungry. Um, you can end up eating half of a bag or, or an entire bag, depending. So I always encourage my kids. I'm trying to give them more independence now, but I always, always encourage them um, to pour a portion into a bowl and then have, have the bowl and, and put the bag back. Um, and, you know, sometimes these, you know, depending on the snack, sometimes they do leave you really wanting more. Um, and, and so they don't necessarily, they can't necessarily stand by themselves as a snack. So I would always encourage someone, even if you're going to have a bag of, of a healthier chip, have some apple slices with it or have, um, you know, a handful of nuts with it as well to, you know, you really want to be, make your snacks be more well-rounded so that you're more satisfied with them. So a little bit of healthy fat some fiber and the carbs together is going to be much more satisfying than just carbs. Okay, great. Well, that's really great insight. So with that, Francis, we're going to take a break. With the kids at home a lot more these days, there may be more time to have dinner together, but finding the time to plan healthy and delicious meals is still a challenge. A few months ago, I tried the dinner daily and getting dinner on the table every night became a whole lot easier. The Dinner Daily isn't a meal kit, but a weekly personalized dinner planning service that sends you meal plans and an organized grocery shopping list based on your food preferences and dietary needs. And it's the only service that uses your grocery store's weekly specials to help you save money. What I love most about the Dinner Daily are the recipes, most of which take only 30 minutes to make, and they're so easy, healthy, and delicious. My kids love their taco salad, garlic steak with feta cheese, and the carrot and parsnip mash. Not only can the Dinner Daily save you money, but you can try it free for two weeks. And right now, you can get 15% off with the code HEALTH15. Just go to thedinnerdaily.com and use the code HEALTH15. And now, let's get back to this week's episode of Food Issues. So in our last segment, we were talking about healthy junk food and why you should pair your your junk food with a fruit or vegetable or some healthy fats. Do you have any other ideas around that, Francis, about what are some good pairings for kids? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, like I mentioned earlier, my son, Leo, is a veggie lover. So he now asks for um, avocado toast oftentimes for breakfast or for lunch. And I think that's fantastic because with that, you know, I, I do realize avocado is a fruit, um, but um, with that, I can add some cucumber slices on top and make that a really great snack slash lunch for him with the, the healthy fats from the avocado, fiber from the whole grain bread that I'm putting it on. Also carbs are coming from the bread as well. And um and it's just a, a nice, easy thing to make. 
But, you know, other ways that you can do that would be, say, um, almond butter toast, and you can put uh, fresh grapes on top, slice some grapes on top, or do apple slices with that. So, you know, it does take a little bit of thinking, but it's it's certainly doable. I mean, cheese, I think cheese can be a wonderful thing to incorporate with a kid's lunch or an adult lunch. Um, so I, I like to get people thinking more about, you know, easy ways that they can do these pairings. For example, you're not going to be satisfied with just with a salad that is just veggies. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. You know, it, you're, you're going to be full for maybe an hour and then you're going to be looking for another snack. So if you're going to have a salad for lunch, top it with some healthy fats, throw some olives in there, throw some beans in there for more fiber to help you stay fuller longer on um, cheese. I mean, really try to turn it into more of a well-rounded meal, some canned tuna on top. Um, but it, it's, we're in a challenging time where people are getting, they're honestly getting, <laughs> they're getting sick of preparing so much food themselves. So I'm really trying to find ways to, um, to help people do it in a, in an easier sort of, um, you know, low, low lift kind of way. So when you can find veggies that are already prepped, like shredded carrots or triple washed lettuce, um, use those things. They, they might cost a little bit more, but I guarantee you, you are going to use them more often. Okay, great. And so how should parents approach serving these healthy snacks to their kids? So for example, in, in our home, I, the other day bought dried fruit bars and they're just dried fruit. But, um, again, like you said, I'm not sure that it's really filling them up and it, and even though it's natural sugar, there's still a lot of sugar in them because it's concentrated. And so we approach it as almost more like a treat. And so it's not something that they're going to get every day. They know that they can either have it after school with, um, you know, maybe a, a spoonful of peanut butter or something like that, um, or they can pack it with their lunch. So do you, do you think it's okay for, for kids to be eating these snacks every day? Does it depend? How should parents approach it? Well, I, I think um, certainly dried fruit has gotten a bad name because, you know, in the past they have been um, sweetened up quite a bit. But dried fruit on its own is actually a wonderful snack. And I think this is a great example of, you know, using those natural sugars, um, which are concentrated more in dried fruit. And that's why you get a smaller serving than you do of fresh fruit because all of the, you know, all of the water is gone. Um, but they definitely have a place. And I think that it's really fun to take something like raisins or dried cherries and mix that in with whole grain cereal or popcorn. That makes a great snack so that it's, um, you know, you can take that, that smaller amount of the dried fruit and mix it in with, um, with other sort of lower, lower calorie items and also higher fiber items. Um, so I would say, you know, dried fruit is not something that I'm personally worried about i and, and it does contribute to your serving of uh, of fruits for the day okay okay great but what about you know the healthier versions of say chips or cookies or bars well i think it 
you know, it's fine to have, um, say, 50% of, of a kid's snacks be made up of the packaged items, right? You know, we are still sending our kids to school. If they're on a hybrid schedule. So we're, we're still packing their lunches. And, um, you know, along with the baby carrots and the apple slices, you know, they're, um, there is a packaged snack in there, but I try to rotate them, you know, so uh-huh. it's not always, you know, I don't know, the bag of um, cheddar popcorn or whatever it might be. I try to to really give them some variety. And variety to me is paramount because it means that you're getting a wider variety of nutrients in your diet. Um, so obviously not just variety in snacks, but variety overall, you know, and that's why it is important to introduce your kids to new foods, to, um, you know, dishes that they've never seen before. And, um, you know, I think parents are very hard on themselves, right? Especially this generation of parents, we're trying to get it all right. We're trying to, you know, buy all the right products, um, not just food products, but, you know, body care and cleaning products, everything, you know, uh, as healthy as possible to optimize. Um, but we, we, we really have a lot of parent guilt for me, it's mom guilt. Um, so we need to kind of cut ourselves some slack. We're working and we're doing all of this homeschooling right now as well. So if you can find a product that it, that has a, a, a pretty good health profile and your kid likes it, I wouldn't feel guilty about putting that in their lunch. Yeah, that's a really good point. We're all just trying to get by day by day for sure. Um, I'm glad that you brought up the um, the insight about variety because there was a study done last year and it showed that when kids were given a variety of choices, they were more likely to to pick healthy choices and that was including fruit. So I'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Um so let's shift gears for a second. Talking, we've been talking about you know eating real whole foods and, and really doing the best that we can. And I'd love to talk to you about smoothies and juices because that's a really great way to get a ton of fruits and vegetables in your kid's diet. And I, I'd say they're kid friendly. Um, every morning, pretty much, I'll, I'll make a green smoothie for myself. One daughter, not so much. She doesn't really mm-hmm. care for it. The other daughter absolutely loves it. And Somewhere she saw the idea for a smoothie bowl. And so now she's on a smoothie bowl kick. Um, and I love so, it. Yeah, yeah. And um, just trying to, she's, she was sick for a while. And so I'm trying to get those, you know, boost her immune system. Um, so again, they're, they're a great way to get fruits and vegetables and other superfood ingredients in our diets. But what would you say are the other benefits of serving smoothies and juices? Well, they are easy, you know, and again, if we can find ways to make healthy, easy, and fun, I think that is where we're really winning because when healthy feels hard or a drag or um, not tasty, that's when people don't want to do it. So I love that your daughter wants to make smoothie bowls. um, And they're a really great way to deliver a ton of nutrients in a small package. You know, you can load your smoothie up with so many fantastic ingredients, baby spinach, frozen cauliflower, whole oats. I mean, it's kind of endless. There are endless 
ingredients that you can use in smoothies, a lot of anti-inflammatory ingredients like ginger and turmeric and cinnamon. So, you know, depending on your, your taste, you can really go with super fruity or, you know, more veggie based. Um, there's just endless, endless options, really. I mean, that's what's so great about smoothies. And they're also good for gut health, right? Absolutely. Yes. So in my, in my book, Smoothies, Smoothies and Juices, Prevention, Healing Kitchen, it's broken into five chapters, gut health, glowing skin, healthy heart, strong muscles, and anti-inflammation. And so yes, gut health is something that we as Americans are actually taking seriously now, and we want more ways to boost our gut health. And so um, we're not getting enough fiber but smoothies are a wonderful way to get more fiber into the diet. Great, great. Now, one of the biggest questions that I've always had, and I think a lot of other people have thought about, is when it comes to making smoothies and juices, is it a meal or is it a snack? Great, great question. And we actually address that in the book. Um, If you have a smoothie that has, say, 350 to 400 calories, that's a meal. You can consider that to be a meal. But if it is your meal, you want it to be balanced. So again, you want the fiber, some healthy fat, as well as the carbs in there. Um, but if it's, you know, say 300 calories or fewer, that's a snack, which is why they can be a wonderful thing to have post-workout. Okay, great. And so for listeners who want to incorporate smoothies and juices into their diets, especially for their kids, uh, where, where can, what should they know about where to start? And do you have tips for them to kind of make it easy and fun? Yes. So uh, two really big tips for people who maybe have tried smoothies before and it just didn't work out for them for whatever reason. Number one, always put the liquid in first. So whether that liquid is a milk or coconut water or a juice. If you put your dry ingredients in first or your frozen veggies, you can end up with just a solid block down by the blades, which is very, very frustrating. Um, Second tip, after you make your smoothie and you pour it out into the glasses, wash the blender immediately. All you have to do is put in a couple of drops of liquid dish soap and then uh, fill it up three quarters of the way with warm water and then put it back on again. Um, blend it because no one wants to be scraping out dried smoothie the next day or a few hours later. So that doing those two things will make your smoothie experience um, much smoother. Sorry about the pun. Um, (laughs) But then, you know, really go, it's the same thing as when you're trying to get your kid to try something new. You go to the grocery store with them or you go to the farmer's market and you let them pick, right? Because if they pick it, they're much more likely to eat it. So if you say maybe what color smoothie do you want, then you can sometimes go that route. Oh, I want a, I want a pink smoothie. Well, then maybe let's try dragon fruit. Dragon fruit honestly doesn't offer that much flavor-wise, but it has a fantastic color And it also provides a lot of antioxidants as well. So when my kids were younger and I would make these super bright dragon fruit smoothies, they just, you know, they were in awe because it looked so stunning. And then of course they wanted to try it. Also, you know, fun straws, maybe they want to pick out um, 
you know, their own aluminum straw or, you know, keep some fun um, paper straws on hand. Maybe they, maybe they have a fun smooth, a fun glass that they always use when they make their smoothie, but get them involved because of course getting them involved makes them want to enjoy that smoothie even more. Okay. That's great. And so I have your book, Francis, and I recommend anyone listening to this podcast, go get the book because there are a ton of awesome recipes in there. So a few days ago, my daughter and I, the one who loves smoothies, we made the healthy pina colada smoothie Mm. and it was amazing. And she absolutely loved it. And um, actually, I think both of them tried it and loved it and wanted me to make it again. Um, And there's also one that she found this morning. She was really psyched about the PB&J smoothie. So we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. But well, Francis, thank you so much for your time today. Can you tell me where listeners can get more information about these food issues and about you? Absolutely. Come to my website. It's FrancisLargemanRoth.com or follow me on Instagram at FrancisLRothRD. I'm always sharing recipes and tips. And of course, you can find Smoothies and Juices Prevention Healing Kitchen on Amazon. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Francis. Thank you, Julie. This was fun. I'm Julie Revelant, and thank you for tuning into this episode of Food Issues. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review or share it with a friend. Also, be sure to sign up for my newsletter at julierevelant.com for exclusive updates and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 